0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. Welcome to the Human-Animal Connection Show, where we believe we can communicate with all animals. Join us as we explore the 33 principles and healing methods of the Human-Animal Connection. As animal lovers, we know that you share our commitment to making the world a kinder place for all creatures. Together, let's embrace the transformative healing power of the Human-Animal Connection. Hi, folks.
1: Welcome back to Human Animal Connection Show. I'm your host, Michael Overly, and I'm with Jeannie Joseph, and have we got an episode for you today. Welcome, Jeannie.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, today we are talking about power animals and spirit guides. Woo! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we maybe think of it as woo-woo, but, you know, we have to remember that just about every indigenous culture that we've studied has some kind of belief in power animals and spirit guides, animal spirit guides. And so, in a way, uh, us in modern civilization are kind of getting caught up with what's been known for very many, many thousands of years. So, but anyway, here we are. So, but maybe for some people it's new, you know, not everybody has been thinking about power animals. And so we want to, and we do this with our high school students in our high school class, canines teach compassion. We do a meditation where we introduce them, help them find their power animal. And some, some of them find it in class. Some of them will do it later, but uh, it's really powerful when you connect with your power animal, because sometimes there's a emptiness or a loneliness that we have that a human can't, fill all of those holes that we have and sometimes the power animal can be just what we're missing
1: (laughs) i love it we've talked about ted andrews before in his work and um i wanted to share this real quick
2: okay tell us what Um, you're showing us
1: that is sue or lakota sue and it's Mm -hmm. Oyasin. okay that's
2: a tattoo that
1: it's a tattoo yeah oh sorry folks um
2: for those of you listening he's showing us his tattoo and and it's
1: in a in an eagle feather below it Mm-hmm. And it means the direct translation is all my relations. And ah. for for uh, for us albinos and white folks, yeah. it, it means uh, we are all one, right? We are all the same. We come from the same place. So, right. um, we're all- yeah, I love we're the indigenous teachings. There's so much there that we can learn from.
2: Yeah, there's so much of value there. Just the notion that we're all breathing the same air. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, it's so easy as humans to think that our world is, is separate from animals, or our world is somehow better than animals. And all of that is really not necessarily the case. <laughs> You know, I mean, there's so much wisdom that animals have. And when we think about having a relationship with our power animal, what we're talking about is really having a wise guide who we can turn to for like, well, we're not sure about something, or we are confused, we need some help, or we just want some comfort or s- sense of safety. And all of the different animals bring different qualities. So we might have a primary power animal, and we might have other animals that we engage with from time to time when we have a specific issue. So I won't ask you to tell me your power animal, Michael, because that's usually confidential. You usually only share that with a very close person. Um, but it's, let me just ask you this Do you work with a power animal? Do you have a power animal as part of your reality? Are you connected in some way? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. 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 And, and do you, do that as part of a like do you talk every day do you talk just when needed or how do you work with what's your relationship like with your power animal
1: Um uh, it's not an everyday communication mm-hmm. it's um as needed and then obviously when when something tougher comes up i'm like okay i need to go spend some time with my with my power animal
2: yeah Yeah. Yeah. It's just a really great thing to do. And, you know, different cultures have, you know, different ways and different rituals. So there's no wrong way to do it. But just by recognizing that you have a power animal, maybe more, maybe you have a group and certainly others that you visit from time to time, because each one of them brings wisdom. And I encourage people to read the different books that people have written so many books on the meaning of power animals, but I also encourage you to just use that as kind of like a place to start, not necessarily assume that what the book says is the way it is, you know, that you might find that an animal that doesn't say in the book, oh, this animal brings this attribute doesn't mean that that isn't what that animal's bringing to you. So it's just a place to kind of get your thoughts going your your awareness but not to turn it into Bibles. so i think that's important for people is that it it what everybody else i'll just pick an animal you know like let's say what everybody else says an elephant is all about may not be what that elephant is in your life for so it just we have to have that willingness to sort of take other people's experiences and knowledge as as a place to start but go for our own truth and wisdom because that i think is the most important lesson that power animals bring us is that we do need to be listening to our inner knowingness and the ways in which we are connected to our power animals. So we are not separate from our power animals. We have the ability to engage with them. So they're an aspect of ourselves. And maybe we had a lifetime as that animal. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a really interesting thing to think about. Um and you know, some of the science sometimes people like they don't know that they have a power animal, but they all collect, they collect elephants or they collect giraffes or they collect frogs or something you go to their house and and you say well and you ask them say oh it's interesting you have why do you, i don't know why i collect them i just do i've always have i always like them and you know sometimes that's a sign that 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 animal is very important in their life yeah do you have more than one that you regularly work with or, or? Mm-hmm. i have mm-hmm. three okay that's great you, you don't have to say who they are but it, do you want to tell us a little bit about how they help you or yeah yeah. yeah
1: well i have i have speed Uh I have protection, Uh and I have flight.
2: Nice. Yeah. You know, really good because sometimes we absolutely need to have a sense of flight. You know, we need to get out of situations that aren't good for us, or or get perspective from flight. So, um, uh, power animals that are masters at flight can be really good at giving us that sense of, hey, you're not stuck here. Just because you're here standing on two feet doesn't mean <laughs> this is the only place you have to stand, or or the the only way you have to view the world. Because the way a bird sees the world is very different from the way an ant sees the world, and it's nothing against ants. It's just that. These are different. Uh, there's a German word for it called umwelt, and it basically means your perspective. So the perspective of a giraffe is different from the perspective an ant of an ant, and it doesn't mean that they don't both have valuable wisdom, but they're going to see the world differently just because they're Anatomy is different, so they how they experience everything, their perceptions change. And we can learn from these different animals and sometimes we can call upon you know giraffe energy to maybe have some perspective when we're too close to a situation or we're not seeing a wider view. you know we can't understand why another person is thinking or feeling or behaving the way they are. We can ask a giraffe to look at the situation for us and give us some understanding from a different vantage point. Yeah. So I know, like, um, just we, we, I think, did we mention? I can't remember if we were talking about before we got on the air or after, but Ted Andrews, you know, has written some several books. He's like, I don't know, when did he write them in the 50s or the 60s or some, I don't know, <laughs> um, 70s, 50s, I, 60s,
1: 70s, maybe somewhere in there. Yeah. He's, he's been gone a while.
2: Yeah. So he's, you know, he really at least opened it up for, Non-native people to really think about this, and I remember he tells a story about the praying mantis, which is an insect. You know, it's interesting all these different cultures because many cultures have a praying mantis power animal, and you know, in the Chinese tradition, there's a martial arts styles that are you know follow these yeah these different animals, and one of the attributes that Ted Andrews says you can um learn from the praying mantis is the ability to stay very still and watch. So not to pounce, not to charge, not to move fast, you know, not speed, right? Um, but to step back, wait, and then bounce. <laughs> so that's you know, kind of the wisdom in that martial arts style. And that is um, working with the praying mantis, power animal when you need that wisdom. And then sometimes like I, you know, just the ones I can remember, he talks about the swan, as being really helpful for, for having a sense of your inner beauty and your inner power. But what he warns with the swan is that, that you can't expect other people to make you feel beautiful if you don't feel it from within. And that's just one of the wisdoms of swan. So, you know, they mate for life and they're very good if you're looking for partnership to, to connect with your swan energy. But just to remember that the work is starts from within first. It's not about finding the right partner to make you feel loved, you have to feel lovable before you can love and accept love. So that's swan energy. So, you know, it's just interesting to kind of learn about some of the different power animals and what are the different things that they bring to us? Because each of them comes with their own gifts, gifts, their own perceptions, their own ways of perceiving. And sometimes we need one view and sometimes we need a different view. It just depends on, like you mentioned speed. Sometimes you need to move faster, right? Sometimes you need momentum or energy, right? So you would want to connect with an animal who's a master at speed. That's <laughs> yeah. fast moving yeah. animals. Yeah. Yeah. What
1: um, What about black hawk? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what did black hawk say about
2: talking to animals so he said that there was a time when we could all talk to animals and we could talk to the trees and the plants and this was just as natural and normal as you and i talking together here and he says that we forgot that generally the civilized cultures that we forgot that ability and therefore um we stopped doing it and it's like if you look at young children before the age of seven let's say many of them will talk to the trees or the flowers or the animals or the birds and the bees and it's just normal and then some adult goes okay time to stop that you have to go to school and act normal now <laughs> you know, or whatever you know like it's it just they they get uh, um, if, it, if a child continues to talk to animals and trees they somebody might Tell them that's not true, or whatever. You know, we so we get lost from that. But most young children believe that that's natural or normal to talk to animals, and they hear animals, and they hear fairies and flowers and trees and bees and things talking to them. And uh, it'd be nice if we didn't restrict that. If we encouraged that, so that we didn't have to lose that as we got to be seven and a half, and <laughs> had to let all that fun stuff go.
1: <laughs> yeah, we get ad- we get adulted, right? We get we- adulted. Because yeah. the, the adults forgot what they used to do, right? And that they had this ability, in this, and I think of it as a superpower. Uh-huh. And, and I was the same way, but I got it back.
2: Yeah. So got this morning,
1: I, I was working on a presentation that I gave earlier, uh-huh. and this tiny little gnat, maybe net yeah, landed on my hand. Uh huh. And I'm like, okay. So I set my hand down, and I was I was trying to write <laughs> <with> <laughs> one hand and talking to him. He's, he's like moving up my hand towards my arm a little bit. I'm like, buddy, uh-huh. I, I'm gonna need that hand back in a minute. Yeah. And then he just whoosh,
2: just left. Yeah, great. Mm. A nice little harmonious little interaction. You know, it could be easy to think of bugs as being bugging. You know, they bug us. Um, but but yeah, you know, if you can connect to the Animal, you can, you don't have to go out and murder it. You can listen. I can't do this all the time, and I don't do it well with mosquitoes because I hate them. And so they bother me all the time. They bite me all the time. You know, I can be sitting next to someone and I've got 10 bites and they've got none, and we're sitting right next to each other. So I haven't worked out my mosquito issues yet. (laughs) It's because you're so sweet. I know I am (laughs) just delicious and sweet. I have to think of it that way. So, but anyway, point being is that. One does one's best, right? To and like you said, to just have uh, respect and conversation to the best of our ability. And we, we've talked before about Jay Allen Boone, who wrote a book in 1956, I think was published or, or 57 somewhere in there. And he was able to talk to flies and ants and ask them to do what he needed. He had this one fly named Freddie that he talked to, I think, for a couple of weeks, for something two weeks or something. But he said to Freddie, you know, you can hang out with me, but just don't land on my skin and the fly would hang out with him and do all these acrobatics but never land on his skin. And what was great about that was that when Jay Allen Boone traveled the world and he went to all places, Africa and different places, all the flies res- got the message and they never landed on his skin, even when they were landing on people standing right next to him. So that's, you know, I mean, that's like my role model. I wish I could be that way with mosquitoes and have that kind of grace. I don't, but, but every once in a while, you know, there are situations where I can master that, you know, outside and with little creatures and do what's in your, in your lane to do. You know, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get that.
1: Let's take a quick break here.
2: Sure. Sure.
1: All right. See you soon.
0: Hey friends, if you like what you're hearing and want to learn more, check out Dr. Joseph's book, The Human-Animal Connection, Deepening Relationships with Animals and Ourselves. Or visit the website, thehumananimalconnection.org, to book an online consultation. Thank you for loving animals. Now back to the show. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Hey, folks, welcome back to the Human Animal Connection Show. I'm loving this conversation about power animals and spirit animals. Um, you know, It means a lot to me in the work that I've done to help myself heal. Yeah. I think a lot of people would just continue to learn more and more and just
2: dive into this. So let's get back at it. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you about the Hawaiian tradition called amakua. And what amakua is, is basically your spirit animal. And in, in the Hawaiian tradition, the belief is, is that you, you know that this spirit animal has been with you before birth, and will be with you your whole life. And there's not to say that you won't have others that join, but this amaku'a could be a shark, it could be a rabbit, it could be you know any animal, and. I've met lots of people who had sharks as their amakua. Like in in the Native American traditions, you often don't tell people who your power animal is because there was also a belief that someone could try to steal your power through working, (laughs) you know, through manipulating things with your power animal. But the Hawaiians don't quite have that belief, so they don't mind telling you that their amakua is a shark or an octopus or whatever it is and, you know, all the different creatures that could be. And they are very deliberate about those people who pay attention are about in communicating with their amakua and asking them, you know, just even small things or small decisions, you know, daily, daily issues to connect with your amakua. And I it's really interesting. And people that I've met, I've met some very gentle people who had sharks as their amakua, you know, it's 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 really interesting. There's no judgment about one animal being good and another animal being bad. They just all have different qualities that they bring to us. So that's kind of a fun thing to do if you go to Hawaii and um maybe the turtles or different animals and you know what that creates a reverence for life when you when you have the the idea that there are amakuas, it's like, well, don't go kill that shark. That might be someone's amakoa. <laughs> you know, what I mean mm-hmm. it's like it, it it just makes you your um changes when you think about uh the idea that all animals have gifts and to open ourselves up to that. It's like, you know, if you live on a farm and you name an animal, it's hard to eat that animal if you named it, you know, so it's like recognizing that they have individual purpose. And this is something that I believe that, you know, like while all the sharks have a group soul, shark soul, they also have individual souls. So each one of them is an individual. They can tune into their group soul, the the buffalo soul or the or the bison soul or whatever it is, but they have an individual spirit or soul connection so you can have a relationship with an individual animal not just the the species
1: yeah Uh, i've swam with some really large sharks before
2: oh and
1: uh i'm still here right yeah yeah
2: you're still here they
1: they didn't you know hold Uh any judgment against me right um they didn't attack me they weren't out to get me I don't, yes. I don't think they, they believe that we taste that good, folks. No, so. I don't think we taste that good.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I mean, there's a lot of imbalances now in the world and in the ocean. So imbalances can happen and, you know, things can go haywire. But it, compared to all the other, if you look at how many people die in car accidents versus how many people die with shark bikes, it's like ridiculously different. I don't remember the numbers, but it's it's very low. I, I did meet, um, there was a young girl surfer. It's time she was a young girl. She was, I think, mm. 12 or 14. I can't remember now, but she did have her arm bit off by a shark and she was an expert surfer and a very peaceful person. And it was an accident. might've been something that uh, she had a piece of jewelry or something that attracted the shark. So I don't think the shark meant to bite her arm off, but it did. And um, she was very kind about it. I mean, she didn't she wanted to go back into the ocean when she could, you know, when she healed and um, became a, sur- it was hard for her to surf without the two arms, but she became a surf photographer and it was a very powerful experience for her and for everyone around, you know, because it was really shocking at the time. This was when I was living in Hawaii, so I got a chance to interview her, but it's so hard to know what something like that, the true meaning of it is, but I think it reshaped the course of her life. It really did. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, there's, I believe there's more to the stories that we don't understand. Yeah. We tend to make up our own. Right. Um but who knows what what her lesson is in all of this, right? Exactly. If exactly. she hadn't had to experience this setback or trauma or whatever mm-hmm. you want to frame it as, mm-hmm. where would she be now? How would her life be different? Maybe it's right. much more fulfilling than she had been on a path originally.
2: Exactly. You know, and you know, I'm sure that's not easy to to know at the moment, but you know, I I do believe that about her that her life has uh, unfolded in the way it was supposed to, and yeah. also cautionary tale that you know even though many people can swim with sharks, but there are these occasional situations with the oceans being out of balance and you know all kinds of things. So mm-hmm. it's things do happen. I mean, I think we have to recognize that animals are still animals, and for them to bite is just a normal thing, you know what I mean? They bite every day. <laughs> it's just that yeah. we happen to be in their path sometimes, you know what I mean? And so, they're not doing anything terrible to us in most cases. They're not, they're not trying to hurt us. But but these things can happen and do happen. So, the, you know, this is like we're as you can. As those of you who are watching on video, will see Lulu the dog behind us, the dog we're fostering, and we have to be careful because she has a history. And we have to just be smart. You can't be ignorant about these things. But anyway, one one of the things I want to tell you when I was living in Hawaii, I, I there was this woman shaman that I knew, and I'm just looking up because there is a uh, a huge hawk flying in the air. So I was just saying, you're watching on video. That's what I was doing. I was watching this hawk. <laughs> anyway, um, so the, in the Hawaiian tradition, I would, you know, we'd be walking and talking, and all of a sudden, she would stop and look up at the clouds, and we'd be in the middle of a conversation, she'd just go silent, and she'd be looking at clouds for a moment, and then she'd go right on talking. And I'd say, so tell me what you're doing. And she said, well, I was talking to the clouds. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, there, you know, the in the Hawaiian tradition, there are signs everywhere. So what the clouds are doing is a form of communication. C- communication. I mean, they're doing what they're doing for their own reasons, but as humans, we can, we can. If you set up a communication channel with the clouds, you will get the feeling, oh, look up. Just like all of a sudden, you just get this feeling. I should look up now and you look and you see and you see something and you see, I do this a lot. I'll I'll see something that is meaningful to me in terms of a pattern or a shape that maybe reminding me of a power animal or something. I'll see a rabbit or you know, I do this a lot. I'll see patterns and things. So um, that was her thing you know so the clouds always communicated to her when she needed and when she needed guidance on something she'd just go out and look at the clouds and she'd have to maybe sit for a few minutes and wait it wasn't always instant but if she sat until she needed to she would get the answer that she needed the clarity would come through the clouds now were the clouds spelling out letters no they aren't they they are doing something in terms of their shapes, that it's meaningful to her that she can interpret as a message. So it's a it's a cooperative thing. And I have a thing like this. Um, my dog Sophia and I, my little Sophia, we have a thing with yellow daisies, wild the wild ones, the the weed daisies. And w- we can be out and about, and there'll be no flowers. Like we were once in Patagonia, Arizona. This huge barren field. I mean, nothing alive for for just. I don't know, yards and yards, a very, very big open space, nothing that you could see. And all of a sudden, Sophia sort of took off and went just, you know, 30 feet to the right, and she peed. And I went over to see, and it was, of course, a little yellow daisy. And that was a moment for me to stop and go, okay, what's the message here? I need to just get really – I was quiet, but I needed to get even quieter to hear what is it? So, whenever I, it, she or I either she pees on every yellow daisy or stops and smells one, or I see one, it's a moment for me to turn inward and see if there's a message waiting for me. And I love that. It's, it's something that the more you do it, you strengthen the communication muscle. So. Somebody else, maybe they're not even going to see that daisy and they don't even notice it. Well, I'll be going on a walk with someone. I said, did you see that yellow daisy? They like, what, what, where, what? You know, they don't see it because it's not for them. You know, it's not, and it doesn't have any meaning other than a weed, you know. But for me, I know when I see that, I need to go inward. I need to check in and listen. And it's not necessarily that I've asked a question. It's just that maybe there's a message that I need to get. So Mm. we can establish these little devices with birds, with trees, with clouds, with rivers, with animals. And if we're consistent about it and do it with reverence and with gratitude, we can develop a communication channel that becomes very, very reliable and very, very comforting.
1: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. That's (laughs) You've got mail. (laughs) You've got mail, exactly right, exactly right. thank you, Sophie, for helping point that out. Yeah. And I I just wanted to finish this episode with a quote from Ted Andrews. Can I read that to you? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's a little long, but when we learn to speak with animals, to listen with animal ears and to see through animal eyes, we experience the phenomena, the power, and the potential of the human essence. And it is then that animals are no longer our subordinates. They become our teachers, our friends, our companions. They show us the true majesty of life itself. They restore our forgotten childlike wonder at the world. And they reason our lost belief in magic, dreams, and possibilities.
1: Well, that's beautiful. I love that. Isn't that, that
2: nice? is that nice? Yeah. So I think that's mm. a good way to end. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about ethical connections with animals. So that's some of the tougher stuff. Well, I hope you'll be willing to join us for that one. Sounds great. Hope to see
1: you guys there. Thank you, everyone, for being here.
2: Thank you. And we'll say, you know what? Aloha for now. Aloha for now.
0: Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Human Animal Connection Show. Please visit our website, thehumananimalconnection.org. There you can sign up for our free email newsletter, book a consultation, or check out our blogs and resources. Our best-selling book, The Human-Animal Connection, is available on Amazon. And your donation of any amount keeps our nonprofit organization providing life-changing services. You can reach Michael Overly, author of Let Your Dog Lead, Musings on How to Create an Exceptional Life, on his website at dogsandmen.com or email michael at dogsandmen.com. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.